Bean on Michigan Business Network. Jeffrey Mosier sitting in for Chris Holman on the road. Well, recording remotely as we all are tended to do so these days, this time around. Reaching out to the Lansing, Michigan area and Ryan Fewens Bliss, Executive Director for the Michigan College Access Network. Welcome back to the Michigan Business Beat, Ryan. Glad to be here. Thank you. Tremendous. Now, it's been a little while, so could you re-familiarize the Michigan business community with what the Michigan College Access Network is? Of course. We're a statewide intermediary nonprofit housed in Lansing, working with all sorts of communities around the state to help increase the post-secondary attainment rate to 60% by the year 2030. Working with lots of businesses across the state who understand the role of education in completing the pipeline that we need to produce talent to be able to hire those folks within the state. Perfect. And as we're trying to move through the COVID era and out of it, we thought this would be a great time to review with you what MCAN COVID-19 response and grant initiative has been. So I understand they started in April as a response to the pandemic, but you've got the rest of the details. I'd love you to share that narrative. Yeah, like many of the entrepreneurs that make up the businesses across the state, I had a really great idea in the middle of the night, woke up and said, I know what we need to do to help our network get through this crisis. We need to offer them some grants to deal with whatever it is that's happening within their community, at their college, within their high school or school district, to be able to pivot due to COVID. So I mobilized my team. We put together review teams. We use some grant applications we had already used for other programs and streamline them with the goal of moving money into the field as quickly as possible. Since in in April of 2020, if you recall, people just still didn't know what this was going to look like. They they didn't know how long this was going to last. So we wanted to make sure we moved that money very quickly. So we streamlined the application process, streamlined the review process. Every staff member at MCAN had a review responsibility from the person who answers our phones all the way up to me as the executive director on teams of three. So these applications would come in, we would review them and try to to move the money into the field. You know, like many good ideas that MCAN has had over time, we didn't anticipate the response. The grants just kept trickling in. I would get an email every time a grant application was completed. And during those first weeks, it was a couple of emails a week. And then suddenly, as we moved into summer of 2020, it was 10 and 20 emails a week, ultimately resulting in, I think we had somewhere just south of 200 applications during the time frame. So a phenomenal response. We were able to fund about 108 of those over the course of that time frame, ultimately moving over $620,000 into the field. So this sort of fever dream I had back in April of 2020 manifested in very real ways across the state in uh, really positive outcomes, I think. Perfect. But I imagine that may have stretched your budget. So what inspired the, the initiatives? I think you answered that part. But were there other funders who participated in this endeavor? And how did it align with the overall mission for MCAN? Yeah, you can imagine getting these emails for a program that we didn't budget for, not knowing that there was going to be a pandemic. So every ding in my inbox, you know, was like a cash register sound for money going out of the organization. We were able to pivot internal funding that we had set aside for events that could no longer happen and our staff was no longer traveling and so we were able to readjust our budget uh, in that way. That still wasn't enough and I turned to some of our 
favorite funders who have helped us for years and asked them if they were willing to pitch in and co-fund these grants that we were doing. And our friends at the Kresge Foundation did so. New funders, the Jacob Family Foundation, we've not had funding from them in the past, and they pitched in $50,000 to help Southeast Michigan organizations get these COVID-19 response grants. Our friends at the FCA Foundation and the Ralph C. Wilson Foundation as well all allowed us to use funding for these grants. And then I had another great idea that we should call up local community foundations whose community organizations had asked us for funding and asked them to co-fund as well. And so there was a handful of local community foundations that pitched in, you know, $250, $2,500 here and there to help co-fund these projects within their own borders. So it was really, really great seeing national and statewide and local funders really step up to support us in this work. Perfect. I'd love to focus on the impact for just a little bit. Uh, What you can drill down here. What does the funding assist with? Yeah, so mostly, really, what we told folks that wanted to apply was anything that dealt with post-secondary access or success, so getting kids from high school into college and then being successful once they're there, any of that was on the table. As you can imagine, there were millions of dollars of needs in communities. We really had to make sure we focused our support in support of our own mission. So, you know, while feeding people in a local community was really, really important and something that we would champion, ultimately that's not within our mission. So we had to make sure that we were focusing on grants within our mission. We found that there was about four buckets that these applications fit into. One was dealing with the SAT test. So if you're familiar with the SAT, every mm-hmm. junior in the state takes that as an assessment, both for the state and for college entrance. That happens in the spring. So we all shut down our schools in the spring, and most students were not able to take the SAT. So we had to deal with folks being able to take the SAT in other ways, planning for other locations, not in their school, doing learning mitigation as it ramped up to the fall when the state was able to offer the test again. You can imagine normally we have about eight months of schooling before students take that test. In this case, it was about six months of no schooling before they could take it. So obviously the sports were going to be affected. So lots of work around the SAT. Lots of issues with technology. Obviously, broadband across the state is not readily available, especially in rural areas, especially in the Upper Peninsula. So we got lots of requests for support for hotspots and Chromebooks and and other things that would allow students who are taking dual enrollment or college credit classes to continue those classes, even though they were no longer in their school building that had a strong internet signal, again, being tied to the post-secondary access and success movement. And then there was a lot of pivoting programming that already existed to deal with the virtual aid. So lots of summer bridge programs, summer activity programs that YMCAs and Big Brothers Big Sisters all needed to pivot, and they were able to use our funds to help them do that. And then the last bucket was sort of the normal academic year activities that would happen physically in person in a building also had to be retrofitted for COVID. So we're talking about decision day events in the spring and graduation celebrations that would lead to post-secondary access 
in the spring, and then completing college applications and completing the FAFSA and those campaigns. These all normally exist within a high school, but because of COVID, depending on how the school district was handling it, either had to be moved virtually or split between students who were virtual and students who were in person or done in person in a safe way. So that's where most of those applications shook out in those four buckets. Perfect. Well, our article of the blog post that will accompany this podcast will list to the link that has a list of the recipients regarding the specific awards. But in our last little bit here of the interview, I would love to find out what's next. What's next is dealing with the enrollment crisis that has occurred due to COVID. In the fall of 2020, Michigan experienced almost a 10% decline in students enrolling in post-secondary education into college. We were the second worst state for that loss in the entire country. So major, major concerns about enrollment. Many people thought students would stay home and would go to community college because it was easier or they didn't want to pay, say, a Michigan State University for their English 101 course that was going to be offered online. If it was also going to be offered online at Lansing Community College for a much lesser rate. So we thought maybe folks would hold back and go into community college, but the data tells us that we lost over 10% of students enrolling in community college in the fall. The overall loss of all students was down 2.5%. When you dig into those numbers for new students, so freshmen, it's really, really ugly. 8% at four-year publics, over 10% at four-year private, negative 21% for new students in community colleges. The only place we saw an upswing was for-profit colleges with an increase of almost 10%. So this really, really troubling news. So we as a state are going to need to pivot to support students and families getting into and being successful in college. Because ultimately what we're doing is we're pinching that pipeline to produce talent, which the listeners to this will know was already pinched. So we already had a talent deficit due to certificates and degrees being needed. Now it's going to be even worse because we're not getting people into the system. So that's what's next. Everyone hopefully across the state fighting this enrollment crisis for fall of 2021. If there's a company out there across the Michigan business community whose mission aligns with the the efforts of the Michigan College Access Network, how might they reach out to you? Give us a call, 517-316-1713. We'd love to talk to them. We are engaging businesses across the state in a variety of ways and how they can ensure their employees, the children of their employees, their community members can get a college education and then get a great job at their business. Well, Ryan, thank you so much for spending some time with the Michigan Business Beat today. Happy to be here anytime you want Excellent. Once again, we've been speaking with Ryan Fewins-Bliss, Executive Director of the Michigan College Access Network, and discussing MCAN's COVID-19 Response Grant Initiative. We'll be back with more on the Michigan Business Beat on Michigan Business Network.